this Feelman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I love that kid. And 22. And 22. I Like 22. Four. Uh, LSU. Look, running back. Oh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Glaire. What, what, what year is he? You know? I don't know. He's I don't know, but I'm drafting that guy. I am he's drafting. Josh Jacobs. I'm not, I'm not Josh Jacobs. He, he's, small, he's small, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not drafting him in the first round or the second round. But if he's a third, if he's in the third round, I would take that guy in a heartbeat. Like I would be standing up and saying, I don't care what our analytics say. Yeah. I don't care what Paul D. Podesta and our mission is. I'm taking that guy. Yeah. Because that guy does all the little things. And there's hidden yards that that guy saves for his football team. It's just amazing and fun to watch. Well, I don't know, Mr. Spielman. You, uh, as far as I know, don't have an interview for uh, Brown's GM. They have uh, two guys coming in today. They have uh, Andrew Barry and uh, Monty Ossenfort of the New England Patriots. So if you want uh, to make your case for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you're going to have to uh, get out of wherever it is you are and get to Cleveland, Ohio. Tell the folks where you are today. I'm in uh, New Haven, Connecticut on a campus of Yale, by the way. The closest thing I can get to an Ivy League school. There you go. And and you, by the way. And uh, tell the people why you're there, even though I know it embarrasses uh, you why you're there. There's a Walter Camp uh, Foundation has an event tomorrow night that I was invited to. So it's uh, it's fun. And, you know, they named me all Walter Camp, all Americans, and uh, to, to make a weekend out of it. So today after the podcast, I'm going to go do a football clinic for some youth. So, uh, you know me, Bruce, give, give, give. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So it's, it's fun, and there's a dinner tonight, and there's a big dinner tomorrow night. Black tie. Whoa. So, so it's a tuxedo, and I didn't even know I owned a tuxedo, and I looked in my closet, and there was a tuxedo. So I'm good to go. Fantastic. Uh, so, I, I, wanna, I want an Instagram picture tomorrow night of you, and I assume your lovely wife, Carrie, is with you? Yeah, she's here. She's here. She's uh, ex- excited to be here and, and lovely New Haven. And so, it's uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun weekend. It's a you know, I, I I didn't really want to go away again because you know how it is. You travel. And sure. You don't want you don't want to go to another hotel, but it's cool because she's with me. So that's that's the fun part about it. So we can kindly get away from kids and dogs for three days, which is a luxury, as you all know, my friend. Yes, that would be a luxury. <laughs> you uh, you uh, aptly said in your self deprecating way that the uh, you know you're getting old when you keep making all time teams. So this has been a good <laughs> fall for you. With the uh, 143 on the ESPN all-time 150 list and now the all-time Walter Camp list. That's a nice honor. Congratulations. And oh, I know you. you don't put a lot of stock in that stuff. And and that's, yeah. I mean, it's good because you're, you're a humble guy, but uh, still a nice honor. And I hope you and Carrie have a great time up there. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And by the way, Clyde did declare for the draft. I don't know if you noticed He did, yes. Yeah, so seems like everybody at LSU is. I mean, once they find out they have to give back their cash from Odell Beckham if they come back to school, they're like, no, thanks, I'll just go pro. Well, and by the way, I don't need to interview for the Browns GM job. I just called George Payton on his way in tomorrow and let him know who to draft. Let's hope that that means uh, that George Payton from the Vikings, Rick's right-hand man getting the last interview, means that he's going to get the job. That would make me feel really good about it. Uh, Andrew you know, Barry uh, getting an interview yeah. today, and as I said, Monty Austin Ford of the Patriots. You know uh, Alex Marvez from NFL? Yes, I do. I just did an interview with Alex, and he was asking me about that. He's a big George Payton fan too, so uh, 
I don't know. I think I think it makes sense to bring George in. And look, I and it's I know the guy, and it only makes sense to have Kevin and George, who worked together for the last I don't know twelve, thirteen years, to come in, and it's, it makes such a smooth transition. And one of the strengths of George Payton is that he's a really good bridge builder, just good with relationships and keeping everybody calm and keeping communication open and excellent talent evaluator. That goes without saying, but I do think that he would, it, it, it's one of those hires that just says this fits and this makes sense. And I just, I hope they, they go that direction. Now I know that Rick doesn't want him to leave, mm-hmm. but if he does, I, if, and George decides to go, I hope the Browns decide to let him or decide to hire him because I do think it makes for the best transition possible for the Browns. It, it makes sense. So that tells me they're probably not going to do it. Probably not. We'll see. But uh, there are, of course, going to be a ton of changes in Cleveland uh, already. Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, who was literally offensive coordinator in name only. He didn't call the plays. Uh, he had the short straw of every Thursday appearing before the media in Cleveland trying to explain why Freddie Kitchens handed it to Nick Chubb on 4th uh, and 9 or why he threw a halfback pass to Kareem Hunt and gave Lamar Jackson and the Ravens plenty of time to score two touchdowns in the last two minutes. Munkin is leaving. He is going back to Georgia. You probably know him from his time in Tampa. Two years ago, he had the number one passing offense in the NFL, so he's going to Georgia. They're trying to retool their passing game at Georgia. They'd love to get the same results LSU did. They got the transfer quarterback that everybody wanted, Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, and now they have Todd Munkin. Should Ohio State fans keep their eye on Georgia? Do you think Todd Munkin's a good football coach and fits? Yeah, I think Todd actually wasn't the play caller in Tampa either. Uh, Dirk Cutter who was an offensive coordinator at the Falcons, was a head coach, but Dirk was a, the offensive coordinator in Tampa before he got the head coaching job in Tampa. But Todd, certainly, I like Todd. I think he's a bright guy. I absolutely do. And and um, I, you always have to be worried about Georgia. I mean, Georgia is one of those programs. I think they're just a notch below Clemson and Alabama. Uh, I guess you can say LSU now and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. But Georgia is one of those programs that I think has taken the next step with uh, is a Kirby Smart there now, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? I mean, don't you think they're one of those teams that's probably right around five or six or seven every year? I do, and I think uh, Dan Mullen's getting Florida up to speed now. I think it'll be year three for Dan Mullen, so I think we're going to see uh, Florida and Georgia be the class of the SEC East. Um, and I and I know they have been, but I mean class in terms of getting up there to a level where you know, they're a notch below Bama. I don't believe LSU is sustainable. Just too many changes. Joe Brady leaving, Joe Burrow leaving. Uh, I saw today, uh, you mentioned Clyde edwards Lair is leaving. Justin Jefferson is leaving. They've lost Caleb Von Chase on today, one of their top defensive players. Delpit, Delpit. Grant Delpit, yeah, the yeah. Thorpe Award winners leaving. I think they, you know, they hit lightning in a bottle, and now um, – it's just a lot to overcome. I'm not saying they're going to fall off the deep end. It's just a lot to overcome in terms of defending a national title. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but I do think LSU does, as always does a great job of recruiting, right? I mean, we go back to, sure. the, to the 80, what was it, 87 game when they were talented. They had really good players, a lot of NFL guys on that team. So LSU is a strong tradition and a great – I don't know if they can sustain. You're right, but I think they can always – you know, every three or four years, you're going to hear from LSU. And I think one of Ed Orgeron's biggest strengths, if you talk to a lot of people, is his ability to recruit. I mean, that's why 
uh, Ed was known as a recruiter. That's why he got the old Miss job originally mm-hmm. uh, because of his ability to recruit and bring players in. And so we'll see. It's, it's interesting. And I do think Georgia from that standpoint, you know, the one thing where they've struggled and been inconsistent over the years, everybody knows their defense is really good. I mean, they've got really good players every single year. It's just offensively. It just, it always seems to be a struggle for them to score tons of points, right? It, it just does. Even though you yeah. have a quarterback as good as Jake Fromm, uh, just never, I thought, ever reached their potential offensively like they should have. Uh, we have good news on the Buckeye basketball front. Chris Holtman has reinstated Luther Muhammad and Dwayne Washington. They'll both be in uniform tomorrow for the noon start at Penn State. Alonzo Gaffney unlikely to play, not that he plays a ton, but I guess he's suffered some kind of a knee injury. Holtman meeting with the media at this hour as uh, Chris had a flight to Connecticut, so our podcast here Friday is a little bit later than normal. It's uh, 1230 as we tape, and uh, Holtman met, uh, met with people at noon, so he announced that. So we'll get Washington and Muhammad back. To me, if they win at Penn State, it te- tells me that, hey, uh, okay, now we're back online, and if they lose at Penn State, it's not like, well, that's a terrible loss. Penn State's really good. They're 12-4, and four, I think. When Ohio State beat them 106-74 to 74 in early December, it was one of those nights where everything the Buckeyes threw up went in, and uh, Penn State's best player, Lamar Stevens, fouled out with 13 minutes to go. Penn State won five in a row after that. Trouble is, now they've lost three in a row, so they're going to be super salty Got, having gotten dusted by Ohio State five weeks ago, and now they need a win. So tomorrow at noon, that's a tough one to win. If they win it, that's a huge win. Sweeping Penn State would be big. If they lose it, uh, you're not going to win the Big Ten with five losses at this juncture. Well, I'm, yeah, so we all know that. You're not going to win the regular season. Right. Uh, obviously, you still have the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, you think the NCAs, I don't know if they're good enough for the NCAs right now. Uh, the record isn't. In the big they're, they're a bubble team at this point in time, but they're going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. And I, I think they'll probably be a four, five, six seed in the NCAA tournament, yeah. I would say. You, you know what I'm looking for is how well Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad come off of suspension. Yep. Right? Because both of them were struggling offensively. A no bit, doubt. Right? No doubt. And, and so maybe the, this timeout or this reset, I guess, or the second chance. And, you know, I think Chris Holtman has a pretty good feel and control over this team and I like a guy that isn't concerned with sitting guys down if they broke team rules and even if it's only for a game that's fine maybe it will help those guys hit the reset button because both of them are good young kids you know they're good young players and and sometimes a refocusing is needed and hopefully they refocused enough to to be uh the type of player they can be because Bruce I, I still think like offensively we need those guys, right? You no need doubt. those guys to score. I mean, we don't have enough consistent scoring. We don't have a guy. I mean, Andre Weston is probably the guy to say, okay, I know that guy's going to get me 12 points tonight, right? He's going to get me 12. DJ Carton probably will get you 10. Mm-hmm. CJ Walker could be 20, could be two. Yeah. You know, Caleb. Could be 14, you know. could be 20. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know. Yeah. So, so you need, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're right. You're absolutely right because when they beat Penn State like they did, Muhammad had 14 and Washington had 14. That's probably best-case scenario for Muhammad. Washington could get you 18. He did at North Carolina. But if you're getting nothing out of those guys and they've gotten nothing out of them uh, in this four-game losing streak, uh, it's yeah. really tough. You've seen it because they didn't score 60 points as a team in any of those games. So tomorrow at noon will be uh, a crucial one for them. 
Penn State will be loaded for bear, but maybe the uh, snow, big snowstorm is supposed to hit uh, Penn State. Maybe that'll keep uh, some of the fans away. We can what, all, uh, what, what, do you know what channel that's on so I can try to pick it up here? I'm going to guess it it's, I'm gonna, I, I do not Fox know. Or? I'm going to guess it's BTN. I'll look it up and let you know before the end of the podcast. Okay. How's that? Perfect. Um, Joe Burrow is uh, at the White House today with LSU. Congratulations to him. Uh, and his father, Jimmy Burrow, tells Canadian television that you don't even need to start the uh, speculation about Joe telling the Bengals not to pick him, that he would welcome the challenge to go to Cincinnati, and that he would be excited about going to Cincinnati. And honestly, I'd have been shocked if he had said anything other than that. Well, yeah, I mean, look, he's an Ohio guy and a chance to go play for an Ohio team. And everything's going Joe's way, right? I mean, he's No doubt. Just, <laughs> I. I've never, I don't recall anybody being hotter in life than Joe Burrow. I mean, as far as hitting, you know, playing at the, the at the, his highest level throughout the whole year, winning the Heisman Trophy, lighting it up in a national championship game, securing the number one pick overall, OBJ giving him cash. I mean, everything is going his way. And then, you know, solidifying, this is important, Bruce. There's not even, every draft guy I talk to, because of the Bengals situation, there's not even a question like who the number one pick is overall, right? Now there not be to a me. Question be- there could be a question between two and three and then what kind of movement we're going to have if somebody wants Chase Young that bad to move up to number two or, you know, somebody wants Akuda uh, at three. Right now you have Chase Young going to the Washington Redskins and Akuda going up to Detroit. So that's not bad. Three Buckeyes are well, – did I misspeak there? Three Buckeyes. No, I said they the could be one, two, three. <laughs> How cool is that? So. Yeah. Although uh, you you uh, you were first to say that maybe your Lions and Matt Patricia would be enamored with Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson because he's so versatile. Well, I I think that's the key. I mean, look, the the Lions need help at corner, but if you look at Matt Patricia and what he loves and covets more than anything, especially from the linebacker position, is versatility. And what Isaiah Simmons can do is. It's fun to watch. He's such a unique player, right? I mean, he's big enough to rush a passer. He's big enough to play linebacker. He's fast and quick enough in coverage. I mean, he is what an NFL linebacker is today. Now, he wasn't when I was playing, but what they look for today, that's who Isaiah Simmons is to a T. I mean, he is the definition of it. And, uh, you know, I he's a really good player. And I really think, that that's probably just this is just a, a guess and gut instinct. They would probably go Isaiah Simmons over Jeff Okuda because I know they need corners, but I just think what they're trying to do defensively, Isaiah Simmons is the perfect fit for what they want to do. Uh, we didn't get to see that matchup, Ohio State against LSU, and that's one of the things we talked to Ryan Day about when uh, he had an availability on Wednesday. I thought it was nice of him to uh, indulge not just us, but the fan base, because I think a lot of people wanted to hear with two weeks of perspective what he thought of the game and where is he mentally. And, uh, you know, I, I asked him, how often do you think about it now? And he said, well, as opposed to after the game, I thought about it every second. Now I just think about it every other second. <laughs> because, I, th- you know, obviously they were so close. And we all would have loved to see how Okuda and the secondary and Chase Young matched up and what they would have done to LSU in the ch- in the title game. It would have been a great matchup. Oh, we didn't get to what see is, it. Well, I, I think it's frustrating because, you know, I walk in here and 
there's all these great former uh, Walter Camp alumni guys here. This is before the the current guys get here, and I'm sitting here talking with and Will Will Allen's actually here, which was pretty cool. But I'm I'm talking with Cornelius Bennett, Antonio Langham, and all these guys that are my peers, and they're the only thing they could talk about is you know what do you think Ohio State would have done against LSU? Hmm. You know because I think and first of all Clemson won the game. They deserve to be there. There's no question about that, right? And I, they deserve to be there. They won mm-hmm. the game. Bad call, no bad call. Guess what? It happens every game. Everybody complains about something. But I do think, you know, you put Clemson and Ohio State in a best of seven. Ohio State wins a best best of seven 90% of the time. I mean, I think they're a better football team, and it would have been a better game if Ohio State would have been here. I had actually two uh, police officers – actually picked us up. We flew into New York at LaGuardia and and the first thing out of their mouth was, Hey, uh, Justin Fields could be a run for the Heisman next year, huh? And yeah. what do you you know, and, and of course, how would have Ohio State matched up with LSU? That would have been a better game. And, you know, before I even get my seatbelt buckled. <laughs> I mean, so you know, it's it's uh it's it's just interesting how and I don't wanna but you know me, Bruce. I I don't want to disparage Clemson at all because they won the game. They won the they, game. They, they made the they, they made at the end of the game. They they put a great drive together on offense. Yep. And whether there's a miscommunication or not, they made they made a game ending interception. Um, yep. And and that's why it's so frustrating for Ohio State because we could go through, you know, the the whys and wherefores of those two things happening and so many other things happening and the red zone issues and the overturned fumble and I get it I get why it's you know if if you lose to Clemson like Ohio State did in 2016 playoff you don't go back and wonder how you could have won a game that's 31 to nothing you're going to always wonder right. how you could have won a game that's 29 to 23 yeah that's the one that'll stick with them I, I and you know but that's that's sports you know and your character will be defined on how you bounce back and I think Ryan this will be on his mind until the first snap of spring football then you got to move on. Yeah. I mean, it's gone forever. There's nothing you can do. It's over. Done. See ya. And you know? I thought it was interesting. He said, you know, he didn't go to the overturned fumble. He's like, we had chances. And we, bottom line, we didn't make the plays in the fourth quarter. He said, we hadn't been in a four-quarter game. And we didn't do it when we were in a four-quarter game. And he said, next year, we'll try to put guys in situations in the spring to win a back-and-forth game in the fourth quarter. But, Chris, I was trying to roll around in my head. How can you possibly do that? You can't, can't. You can't simulate the consequences of a playoff loss in spring ball. No, no. Uh, and the closest thing, I think what he's probably referring to is he's he's probably going to have as much ones-on-ones as he can in practice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But and, and that's the only thing you can do. I, I would, you know, also bring up the point not that I, I don't agree with him, but I would bring up the point, can't settle for field goals. Right. Cannot settle for field goals. You know, you just can't. And you can't, you know, J.K. Is, I love J.K. Dobbins, great player, but he had a chance and, he, you know, the ball bounced out of his hands in the end zone, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or some guy lunges and trips him at the last second, which we've never seen J.K. Dobbins get walked down from behind. Yeah. Right? It just, it, I mean – those little things, and that's why it's nothing against J.K. Dobbins, but that's even on on my broadcast, Bruce. I always talk about, you know, there's the old saying, 
and it's some people call it a cliche, and I say it's a cliche because it's true. Football is such a game of inches, and you don't know when that current, that one play or that second play is going to come, which will determine the outcome of the game. And I really believe when when J.K. got tripped up at the last second there, I I and we did not score a touchdown. I I I kind of felt that uneasy feeling that maybe only players or coaches or people like you who've covered the game most of their adult life. You kind of you know, you know when there's something that happens that uh, mm, yep that that uh, I don't I don't I don't have I don't like that feeling I'm getting yes. and I kind of got that feeling after that that one play that one, one and the up. and the touchdown pass in the end zone that he you know he just left it out there extended rather than yanking it into his body and again it's yeah. not on J.K. Dobbins they're not no, in they're no. not in that game without J.K. Dobbins he had the greatest single season rushing total wise in Ohio State history it's just you're prone as a fan as an as a follower as an analyst to go back and look at as Chris always points out those seven to ten plays that decide a football game and if you were going to grade them on you know regret or which team achieved to the max on those seven to ten plays Clemson's seven to ten plays went well and Ohio State has seven to ten what ifs yeah, yeah exactly and that, again not on anybody it's just that's in every week, in every game, at every level. You know, it's just that's the way it is. And, and it, uh, you know, it, I, don't, I don't even still like talking about it because I know how frustrating it is for those coaches and those players because they know mm-hmm. in their hearts that they're a better team. They just, as the great Frank Gans, once again, they weren't the best team on game day that particular day. And that's all you have to be. Yes, and I I drove myself crazy er yesterday thinking about the Penn State game, and if not for Justin Fields getting that sprained knee, and I just played it out. You know, you go to Mich- you you play Michigan, and he's probably okay. The line the, the the tight end rolling into his knee maybe doesn't cause a problem. If you if he's healthy against Wisconsin, you look impressive against Wisconsin. You don't get drop from one to two um if he could yeah. if he could be healthy against Clemson even on his 21 yard run he was looking to get down he, he didn't want to be out there in the open field maybe he scrambles he didn't ru- he rushed for 10 touchdowns this year he did not rush for another touchdown after that injury against Penn State yeah so clearly a part of his arsenal was missing and when you take that away from Ohio State you make them you don't make them predictable, but you make them more predictable. And had they been able to get Oklahoma, and then they'd have had two more weeks for him to get ready for LSU or for the Clemson, you know, winner if yeah. if Clemson had beaten LSU in the semis. You could just drive yourself crazy with these things. But we started know, the right? we started the year saying you gotta keep him healthy. And for the most part, they did. But if there's anything that I would say other than take all the events of December the 28th away and say, where did it get away? It's fourth and 11 against Penn State, or fourth and five against Penn State. He rolls left, he gets taken down, he sprains his knee. And we didn't know then how that might reverberate and have consequences for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? it uh, yeah, you're, you, it's funny. You're sitting here telling me all this stuff, and then now I'm getting frustrated. So thank you for that. All right. Well, Appreciate we'll move on then because we don't we don't want that frustration. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk a bit about Odell Beckham because I know that won't frustrate either one of us. Uh, no. 
handing out cash on the field, uh, slapping a security guard on the rear end in the locker room. Uh, I think it's probably pretty safe to say he was inebriated, Beckham was. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the guy who, when he has a visor issue and a shoe issue and a watch issue, says, oh, it's just an issue because it's me and everybody wants to make everything I do a big deal. No, you make everything a big deal. You inject yourself into the middle of everything. Um, hey, welcome to Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski. You're here two, three days, and you got an Odell Beckham situation. An, an arrest warrant because of that thing in the locker room. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I, I, here's the whole thing to me, and it's so frustrating, right? Because, first of all, it's not about Odell Beckham. It's about accomplishing something that one of 119 teams accomplished. It's going through spring ball. It's going through the season. It's the ups and the downs. It's for coaches. It's the recruiting. It's the winter workouts for the players. It's the hits that you take. And at that moment in time, when it's supposed to be your moment, here comes a guy to steal the moment. You can't be, you, you can't sit there in front of a kid that just won a national championship game and start handing them cash. I, I, what what are you trying to accomplish besides injecting yourself into that situation to make sure somebody what what win is there for that there's no win no you, you know what i mean there's there's no gain there's no positive that can come from that so you clearly have to look at the motivation is make sure the camera's on me and watch how cool i can be then to go into the locker room as those kids are celebrating then to do what he did in the locker room what's that have you there's this has nothing to do with you you did absolutely nothing to help us win this national championship and now you're placing yourself in what's supposed to be our time yeah not your time and i don't i don't get that i mean the only thing i can think of is just it's selfish that's there's right no other you get no it no you get it fine you know I, I i and i'm so frustrated by it because i don't think he's a bad guy I've I've talked to you before. I think he's a great football player. I I love to watch OBJ practice when he was with the Giants, and I did Giants games. His work ethic is off the charts. But why do we have to always um, put ourselves in other people's spotlight? It's their time. Your time at LSU is long gone, dude. It's over. It's your time or these guys' time. Let them have their time. Let them have their moment without you even being there. His insatiable desire for the spotlight and to do whatever will put him in the spotlight or his disconnection from realizing, if I do this, this is going to become the story, is exhausting to me and would not be worth having him on my team as a coach. He is, I don't think, a malicious person no he's not and i don't think he's um lazy unproductive unwilling to work which is something you can say about some superstars but i do believe the phrase addition by subtraction was made for him because if you do not have him you are missing 74 catches an average of 14 yards a catch four touchdowns that's not great production from a talent like odell beckham uh he had 
led the league, he led the Browns receivers with eight penalties. He was seventh in the league in drops. So there's some downside, not as much as a, as his upside, but there is some downside tangibly. There is enormous downside, in my view, intangibly with Odell Beckham. And I would not want the distractions, the constant conversation from these kinds of things, from the visor, from the shoes, from the watch, from whatever he'll hatch next year. It would not be worth it to me to have him on my football team. If he was my only threat out wide, it might be. But he's not my only threat out wide. He's not my only threat offensively. I have Nick Chubb. I have Kareem Hunt. I have Baker Mayfield. I got Njoku. I got Landry. I got Higgins. I got other threats. He's a juice who's not worth the squeeze to me. Yeah. Well, I I, I try to think about this and what, what's the motivation. And the only thing I could think of, because, you know, he's so high profile for whatever reason. He's so high profile. And so I do think that these guys lose all understanding of team and they're more concerned with what their brand is because they sell their brand. And whatever his brand, his brand being his name, his personality, his swagger, whatever it is. And so they're constantly feeding that brand instead of feeding the team. And it's the same with when, when Jarvis, you know, the thing that upset me about Jarvis, again, work ethic, off the charts, Bruce, I, when he was in Miami, okay? Mm-hmm. Off the charts as far as everything you want from a football player in the field. But the thing that, that upset me most was when he got the penalty for celebration, then he said, I don't care about that. I'm going to do it again. Moved him back, cost him a point on the kick. In the game late, they could – that was going – it was looming as a significant point, and then something happened that the game did not come down to that, but it could have. It could have – the lack of that point could have forced overtime in the game, and he was asked about it after the game, and he said, I do it again. They need my swagger. No, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, swagger, it doesn't – it doesn't work in the NFL. Nobody's impressed. Nobody's scared by your yeah. chest pounding. Nobody's no. intimidated by you, dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, whoever he beat, whatever defensive back he beat, so what? That defensive back's been beat before and he's made plays before. It's on to the next play. And that that's, I think, the biggest challenge that Kevin's going to have to face and whatever general manager's in there that's going to have to face, and whatever offensive coordinator comes in there that's going to have to face. How can you handle these egos? And I got to believe that there's got to be some leadership group on the team that will help check these egos. Um, I remember, you know, Vic Fangio is yes head coach of the uh, – for our listeners, I know you know, but for our listeners, Vic Fangio is the head coach of the Denver Broncos. and was a defensive coordinator with the Chicago Bears uh, previous year. When the Bears made the – remember when the Bears mm-hmm. made the trade for Khalil Mack, right? Yes. And I, I had the Bears – I think it was the second or third game of the season, and I, I had a chance to sit down and, and speak with Vic about this. And I said, let me – and I, I watched Friday practice, and you know me, Bruce. I go in there, and I get little strategy things that I keep to myself, but I – I look at work ethic and focus and concentration of a Friday, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Khalil Mack practice, and I can say, okay, I can see why this guy's an all-pro, right? Just the little things, running to the ball, working on detail. So um, 
I asked Vic about that in the in the meeting after that practice. And here's here's what he said. He said, a luxury for a coach is when your best players are your best leaders. Hmm. And and he said that's something that cannot ever be duplicated because everybody then looks to what Khalil Mack is doing and they elevate themselves to get to Khalil Mack's level. So when you have your best players, and arguably you can say three of the Browns' best players are Beckham, Landry, and Baker, and what you see with them, everybody's looking to that. And even it can happen subconsciously, Bruce. You, you know what I mean? Sure. And, and, and so it's like an infection. And before you know it, you started becoming infected with this. I remember Solomon Wilcox, when we talked about this, that we talked about Miles Garrett, right? Miles Garrett is a great football player. And Solomon Wilcox made this point. I said, before, and he, when Miles hit the, hit the, what's the, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, Mason Rudolph with the helmet. Yeah, with the helmet. And Solomon says, Miles isn't that kind of guy, but he's around a circus atmosphere that's turned him into a circus performer. Yeah. That's right. That was a very insightful comment. Do you remember we talked about yes. we talked about that on the podcast? And I, I really thought about that. And I said, Miles and, and Solomon apparently knows Miles because he doesn't even know this is happening to him. Right. Until it happens. That's insane, right? Absolutely. And that uh that's a problem. And that's uh, all the stuff I think is it's Initially, not as important as the X's and O's, but over time, it'll be as important as the X's and O's for Kevin Stefanski. Spielman and Hooley podcast, uh, we offer you the opportunity to review us on iTunes. really helps us out. We want to thank uh, Buckeye Expatriate for the uh, newest review. He says, two knowledgeable and entertaining gentlemen who form a great combination of experience. I really enjoy the down-to-earth and from-the-heart faith-sharing, something unique that keeps bringing me back even after the football season. Well, we appreciate that. Very, very much. And we'd also appreciate it if you'd uh, patronize our sponsor, Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway. A little snow coming. How about hunkering down inside with some uh, chili soup? Make it in the crock pot. Go to Stover and get that delicious Angus beef certified, hormone-free, non-GMO. You can get chicken, pork, the same. Make sure you know what's in your protein and, more importantly, what isn't, which would be antibiotics and stuff that's bad for you. Stover Farms Custom Meats. Keep your eye on uh, Cade Stover, Buckeye linebacker and defensive end. He is uh, powered by Stover Farms Custom Meats, and you should be, too. The best steaks and chops at Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Plan your big dinner party and get those steaks from Stover Farms Custom Meats. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. This one comes from Jeff in... South Lion, well, he's from South Lion, Michigan, Spiels. Is that in the Detroit area? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, says, I've heard of it. He says, living outside Tampa. And here's his uh, email. Love the podcast, guys. Good time driving to and from work. Best parts of the faith-based portion. Hits right before I walk into work or get home. Good grounding before I start interact with my work team or life team. I appreciate the honesty and insight to sports and how you apply to life. I will challenge Chris on great quarterbacks celebrating, though. He faced one of the best many times that windmill celebrated and sprinted the field in Brett Favre. I hated Baker Mayfield's flag plant, but emotion is not a terrible thing to show when playing. Remind some of the younger kids to still be kids and have fun playing the game, but focus on the task at hand. Yes, Bruce, focus on the task is the common denominator for successful people. So did Favre do the windmill Baker Mayfield style celebration on you? I think um, Brett, as he 
was younger, yeah, I think Brett had some tendencies. I, I, but I don't think, you know, he was able to shut the celebration off. <laughs> I don't think Baker's learned to shut things off, right? And mm -hmm. uh, look, the thing, I, I, I get all that. And I guess my thing is it's my personal preference what I want out of a quarterback, right? I don't want I don't want a, a emotional cheerleader out of my quarterback. There's a place for that and not from the quarterback position. I want the steady Eddie guy. That's my personal preference from that position and also a guy that can run. I, I will say this. The the thing that and I just had this conversation because we were talking uh Antonio Langham. Remember Antonio played yeah, for Alabama Browns? defensive back. Yeah, he's a great guy. And we're just talking. We're talking about the Browns and and uh, just an hour ago, which is one of the cool things about being here and, and the water camp thing. And I'm just – I'm saying – and I, I went on the air with Alex Marvez and Gil Brandt on the NFL Network, and we were talking about this same thing, and it's about Baker. And I said, look, I, I love the guy. I think he's can be a great player. But he – the thing that bothered me most when he said he doesn't he knows what he needs to fix. He doesn't need to hear from anybody. Mm. As soon as you think you have all the answers, that's a red flag and a warning for me. I, I just think that there's so much knowledge out there. And that doesn't mean you have to use everything and it may or may not work for you. But there's so much information and guys that have been so successful and people that have been so successful. If you listen to them, then you can pick and choose what you want to use and not use or what you think would be beneficial or not beneficial and implement that. But when he said that, that was such a turnoff to me. I said, Baker, just, just, and I get you're young and I, I get all that, but just if there's guys that can help you be a better football player, you only become better when you open yourself up and are willing to let people help you become better. There's a great strength coach, a friend of mine, Dave Kennedy told me this. He said, Players respect coaches who will extend their career, right? Yes, I mean, of course. If, and make them the best they can be. And I think if Baker would adopt that, maybe he has, I don't know. Maybe in private he does. I don't know. I never met the guy. I never talked to the kid. I don't know. But if he could say somebody can actually help you extend your career and be a better player, wouldn't it be worth listening to instead of saying, I, I know what I need to fix? I mean, I had a little of that in me when I was young myself. So I'm not, you know, I, I still think there's time to change. But that's the biggest thing for him. I think if he if he can keep that emotion and keep that love, but just kind of level it out a little bit and that passion, but level it out a little bit and listen to people around him or people that have been successful playing that position, I think his future is as bright as he wants it to be. But if he continues to punch down and continues to pick fights and continues to have rabbit ears, uh, he's never going to reach his ultimate potential, and that's that's the thing that I'm concerned with. Well, and you use the key word is listen. You cannot learn if you don't listen, and you cannot improve if you're not coached, if you're not stretched, if you're not challenged. And it's not a personal thing. Uh, that's look the thing. At, he takes everything personal, and it's not. Look at look at Joe Burrow. We've remarked before. Many people have remarked before. Boy, you know, as a junior, I didn't see this coming. Well, no, nobody saw this coming. What changed? No. What changed? Joe Brady came in, implemented a new offense, and it wasn't just Joe Burrow that listened. It was Steve Emsinger. It was Ed Orgeron. It was the whole operation was willing to listen 
to new ideas. Urban Meyer listened to new ideas after they lost to Clemson 31 to nothing. He brought in Ryan Day. Did you think uh, an Urban Meyer quarterback would ever throw for 50 touchdowns in a season? No. no. I mean, you uh, the very best people, Lick Saban, changed from a run it, you know, very pedestrian quarterbacks to throw it all over the place with Tua Tungabaloa because the best leaders and the most accomplished people are not afraid of new ideas and not afraid, as you said, to incorporate them with what they already know, what they already know they're good at, but they listen and they learn and they challenge themselves and they allow other people to challenge them. Yeah, that's, it's, 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 that's a strong – just look at those two guys. Let's talk about Urban and Nick, and that's, that's what I would say to, to Baker. I said two of the smartest football people in the history of football sit there and they're going to listen to other people's ideas and and see how they can become better and they did become better this would be something for you to look at and we'll see i don't know i mean i think kevin like when i talked to rick about kevin right the the one thing he said is that he's a great communicator now it's not anything that we as fans will see but it's we don't have to see it right it's all done in the off season in preparation in otas in training camps during the season. So maybe that's the thing that got Kevin the job because we already know anybody that gets a head coaching job in the NFL is pretty solid X's and O's wise. I sure, mean, certainly there's no, but so I, I, maybe the hire was made because of Kevin's ability. The thing that put, I should say this, not the reason the hire was made, but maybe the thing that put him over the top was his ability to communicate with players. And, and I think that's one thing that Baker needs for him to be the best he can be. And I think, I still think Bruce, I think he's a special talent still. I, I'm not, I, I'm not down on that. I'm just, I think there's things that are, are hindering him from becoming that special talent. Well, the things that have held other, been addressed. yeah, the things that have held other Browns quarterbacks back were mechanical things, arm things, those kinds of things. Baker has those things, but that's only part of the puzzle. And we'll see if he can humble himself and listen and grow, and we can hope so. We can hope so. Uh, Steve emails the show, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. Bruce and Chris, I was truly depressed the day your local radio show was canceled. Yeah, well, join the crowd there, Steve. Uh, he says, I he says I turned on the radio and heard. I actually was a little happy. Yeah, though, you Bruce. were. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't overly depressed. But go ahead. I turned on the radio and heard 70s rock. Huh? I love the podcast and admire what you stand for. You possess a unique combination on air that keeps us locked in and wanting to hear your opinions. As far as Joe Burrow, OSU made the decision to start Dwayne Haskins based on the information at hand. They believed at the moment Haskins was better. Haskins threw, for, Haskins threw for 50 touchdowns. Burrow went to LSU and was average last year. He made huge strides, had a phenomenal year, but he was not the Burrow we let go. Things happen in life. We make a decision based on what we know and then live with it. Buckeye fans should be proud of our season and not second-guess a decision two years ago. Are people second-guessing that decision? Actually, they are not. I just thought it was an interesting discussion to have. Uh, what if they had Joe Burrow had stayed? Would you, you know, I mean, it is, I understand why people say, no, it was not the right, it was not a bad decision. But then on the other hand, you say, you let a guy go who won the Heisman Trophy and won a national championship. I don't think he would have done that here. I don't think he would have thrown 60 touchdown passes here. So I just, I did what 
all right-thinking analysts do. I went to Twitter, where all the sane people hang out. And I said, do you think Ohio State made the right decision or the wrong decision to start Dwayne Haskins and, you know, set in motion Joe Burrow's transfer? 74% said it was the right decision. That's pretty powerful, given what Joe Burrow accomplished, 74%. Yeah, because how are you going to argue with the year that Dwayne Haskins had? Or the year Justin Fields had. Here's you, what you can't, it ultimately you can't boils down that. to. You get two years of Joe Burrow starting, or you get a year of Dwayne Haskins and two years of Justin Fields. There you go. Because if I mean, Joe I, Burrow had stayed, Dwayne Haskins would have transferred, and, do, and Joe Burrow would have still been here to start this year, so Justin Fields would not have transferred here. Look, I, here's my here's the best case or best argument. Uh, if I had to choose, I would say they made the right decision. But everybody wins in this, yeah. right? LSU won, Ohio State won, and uh, Ohio State wins for a third year. Where, you know, we've had two years of Joe and and Joe, like you said, Bruce, he was two hundred to one to win the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. at the start of the year. Now. It's it's not like he lit the world on fire. He was very solid last year. Uh, very good, steady, good, really good. Not great. Right. This year, off the charts, and how much he improved and how well he played. And I think the biggest improvement came uh, from just the the few games that I watched this year and a few games that I watched last year. His biggest improvement to me was the accuracy of the football. And, and we talked about it on uh, Wednesday's podcast of. Uh, what has set him apart. The other thing that he's really good, and I think this is where Justin can watch Joe Burrow if he wants to improve, is Joe has a great pocket presence in a feel, a really easy, natural feel in a pocket. And there's never a panic in there. And that's going to really help him, I think, at the next level as he continues to grow into an NFL quarterback. Uh, your Buckeye basketball game tomorrow, Mr. Spielman, is on ESPNU and also on the on the Watch ESPN app. So I don't know if your okay. hotel has ESPNU. I would <laughs> doubt that it does, but uh, good yeah. luck with that. I'm not sure I have ESPNU. Well, so. if we were, if they, this is, this is, first of all, it's Ohio State's fault because if they wouldn't have lost four in a row, they wouldn't be on ESPNU. This They'd is true. On e- that is so true. I blame the Ohio State basketball team do. for my suffering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's their fault. There you go. There you go. All right, let's talk about some other quarterbacks that are getting it done. Uh, here's your NFC and AFC championship game, both rematches. Uh, let's start with, I believe, the early game is your Tennessee Titans, Mike Brabel at Kansas City. Tennessee won the regular season game on uh, November the 10th, 35-32. to uh, Andy Reid, odd stat, 1-8 all-time against the Tennessee Titans. Patrick Mahomes had a big game that day. It was his first game back from sitting out with a knee. He threw for 446 yards, but stop me if this sounds familiar. The Chiefs did not capitalize in the red zone. They kicked four field goals. They tried a fifth. It was uh, never attempted because of a bad snap. And then at the end of the game, they tried a another field goal, and it was blocked. So they lined up to kick a field goal six times in the game, Spiels. Yeah, that's killer, right? It just goes to show you how that offense and a big part of the NFL, especially um, you look at three of the teams, Kansas City, Green Bay, and San Francisco. They're going to move the ball from the 30 to the 30. Everybody does. 
And that's why if I were an NFL coach, my philosophy would be instead of practicing red zone offense and red zone defense one day a week, which normally takes place on Friday, that would be a three or four day a week thing for me where there's total emphasis because that's where the game's played, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, Kansas City is going to be a really tough out for Tennessee in Kansas City. I mean, you know, they – and Mahomes, what do you think Fox is rooting for in this one? Because they have the Super Bowl. Uh, they are definitely rooting for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. They want offense in that Super Bowl. Well, they want Mahomes because he's, you know, he, Mahomes is the rare guy that, uh, for me, and I judge it off of me, like I turn on the TV not necessarily to watch the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm the average or the casual NFL viewer. I'm turning on that game to watch Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's that guy right now because of what he's able to do. Uh, they're not turning it on, even though he's probably the second best tight end in the league to watch Travis Kelsey. No, they're in there to watch, you know, Patrick Mahomes throw it. They're Travis not Kelsey. turning it on to watch Derrick Henry carry it and Mike Vrabel to shorten <laughs> <Yeah>. the game either. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I think you know the formula has to work for Vrabel and run the football and and shorten the game. You're right, limit possessions that Mahomes has, and hold him to field goal attempts. It's not about getting stops when you play Kansas City. It's it's almost it doesn't seem like it's it's holding holding them to field goal yes. attempts. You know, last week against uh, who did I don't even know who the Chiefs beat last week. I, I I'm uh, they right beat now. your Bill O'Brien. Let's fake a punt oh. in our own territory, Tennessee yeah. to uh, Houston Texans. So, did you know this? This is this is embarrassing. If I was on the Texans, worse when the Chiefs scored their final touchdown, the PA comes over. Uh, the PA announcer comes over the speakers and said, I'm sorry, fans, we ran out of fireworks. Oh, <laughs> wow. Then I heard, now this is just a rumor, you know who War Paint is? Is that their mascot? That's the horse. Okay. They run, yeah. The Chiefs. War, War Paint refused <laughs> to come out of the stall. He was too tired. I went down there to get war paints and my V's and his hooves, but he, he has nothing to do with it. I'm done. He said, I can't go anymore. <laughs> they wore out their horse. They wore out war paint. Yeah. Oh, my he could, goodness. He couldn't do another 200-yard caster. He's done. He Hilarious. Well, so the they Texans, de- they definitely got it rolling against the Texans, no doubt. The Texans accomplished something that no other team has accomplished, and that's where they put war paint to rest. I'll say. Wow. They need to back up war paint. Their offense yeah. is so explosive. <laughs> well, I know Fox is rooting for Patrick Mahomes, and so State Farm, and State Farm also has a rooting interest in the NFC because they'll just their minds will be blown if they get Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Uh but they have a problem. They're playing at San Francisco. They've already played there once on November the 25th, and they got ripped 37-8. to Rodgers was sacked five times. Aaron Rodgers was 0 for 13 on third down. I mean, converting, not passing, but 0 for 13 converting third down. Packers had no completion over 15 yards and 198 yards of offense in a 37-8 to loss. Can they possibly turn that around? Yeah, but not to win it. I I don't think they're going to get beat 37-8. to uh, the, Look, I never count out Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know the man yep. crush that I've had on Aaron yep. Rodgers forever. And just he seems to up his game. Devontae Adams is playing 
really, really well. They got some young wide receivers, Geronimo Allison, uh, Kumaro, all these guys have stepped up. Aaron Jones, number 33 for them. If you haven't watched the Packers play, he's a really good running back, tough as heck. Uh, the, uh, what is it, Zadarius Smith, number mm-hmm. 55 for mm-hmm. them. is He's a beast, man. He's a really good player. But I just, I, I don't see it. I think when you look at San Francisco, and I, I know that uh, I've been, took a lot of heat from the Lions fans when all the 49ers fans were calling for Shanahan and Lynch to be fired after last year, going 4-12. and 12. But I watched what they had going then when you have five first-round picks on your defensive line, you saw how they destroyed Minnesota up front. Yeah, You have a third-round pick who's probably in the top five linebackers in the league in Fred Warner that nobody's heard about, number 54. He's such a, a really good player. Richard Sherman, the secondary, really good safeties. They're good at every level. The one missing ingredient, even this year, uh, I talked to Kyle Shanahan because I had the 49ers and Bengals early on. And I said, what's missing from this team? Because they had the running backs. Jimmy's good enough to win with Garoppolo. And he said, we don't have that guy at wide receiver. So you get the, what's the, um, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. So he's he stepped up in a big way. And, of course, they made a trade, which was a good trade for them, and Emmanuel Sanders. So, they're good everywhere. And then you add to that, we talked about Travis Kelsey, and I said he was the second best tight end. That's because San Francisco has the best tight end, in my opinion, in George Kittle and a three-headed running back machine in uh, Coleman, Mostert, uh, and a guy named uh, Matt Breida. Oh, they're, they're just really good everywhere, and it's just going to be a tough out uh, for, for Green Bay, to be honest with you. I just – I don't see him getting it done, but I don't see it being 37 to 8. No, I can't see the Packers winning this game either. Uh, it feels like, much like the college season felt like Joe Burrow's year, this feels like Nick Bosa's year, Kyle Shanahan's year. Yeah. Um, I, I like San Francisco to take the whole thing, uh, but that'll be a great matchup if indeed we get it. San Francisco, Kansas City in the Super Bowl, the classic uh, offense of the Chiefs against the defense of the Niners, but the Niners have a very good offense. It smacks a little bit of the Bill Walsh offense where it was, you know, physical, controlled passing, and the Chiefs' defense is not terrible either. It uh, has had some rough weeks, but I think it ended up in the last 10 weeks it was a top-five defense in the NFL, so that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, is, is Is that Sunday easier for you to take now? It used to be one of your worst days of the year. No, it's easier because I played in a championship game. So uh, what what I can't take is Super Bowl Sunday. It's just it's awful. It's just awful. I hate it. I hate every second of it. I hate every pregame show. I hate the end of it. Well, we'll get the Vikings it. in it, and then it'll be as much fun as watching one of your uh, daughters or your son play sports. It'll be have yeah, the highs yeah. and the lows if Rick's in the Super Bowl. Well, here's the thing. Watching my kids play sports and watching the Vikings play is not enjoyable. It's torture. Yeah. I hate it. Anybody who's I, a dad and a mom <laughs> that has a kid playing sports knows what we're talking about. Highs are great, but they're not worth the lows. <laughs> so we're, see, we're two guys that are honest enough to admit oh, yeah. it. It's, it's, it's torture. It is. It's just, it's every, every, and the problem is, and I, I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast or not, but you and I have talked about it. The problem is when you watch your kid 
every single mistake that they make is magnified, then I'm paranoid to think that the whole world is seeing what a <laughs> dumb, dumb rear end our kids are. <laughs> but they're not. I mean, because they nobody notices. No, because they're watching their kids. That's why. <laughs> Worrying about the same thing. And, uh, yeah. So it's... Uh, no, I'll never be happy. So I, I just come to grips with that, though. I'm coming, come to terms with that. So. Well, as we wrap up, my friend, you're uh, going to have a wonderful weekend there with Carrie and a uh, nice honor from the Walter Camp people. Do you have anything you want to share from the faith perspective? Um, I, I just think that I, I want to share this, and it's not. I don't have a Bible verse for it, and I, I just think there is. Uh, an appreciation by me that I've been blessed in my life, not not only with family and and friends, but just to to be able, as I you know got that embarrassing one forty third for the ESPN thing and this <laughs> Walter Camp all time team, which means I'm old, but just that I, I reflect a little bit. And I'm seeing all these guys that. 30 years ago, we were here together on the same trip, and I'm thinking to myself that, you know, how lucky was I to be able at a very young age to uh, have a dream and to be able to actually live that dream, now to have the perspective to look back and realize how fortunate I was to be able to do what I wanted to do from the time I was four years old, when I first time I made a statement that I wanted to be an NFL player and be a football player and to be able to play at Ohio State and do all these things and still have a sign, uh, be sound mentally and physically to be able to reflect and enjoy and not wish that I had everything back, but grateful that I had the opportunities and the experiences that I had and, and don't want to go back. And I don't want to insert myself. That's why I get uncomfortable with some of these things because my time is past. I loved it. I enjoyed it. But it's other guys' times now. And I think that's why I got so angry. Not angry. Frustrated is a better word. With OBJ for inserting himself in those guys' moments. Mm -hmm. You know? Like tomorrow, the all-time thing is nice. But it's the, the current All-American team. This is their time so you know i'm here because out of respect for the water camp foundation and i respect for what they're doing but you know i i just want to be in the background and i get more enjoyment now bruce of watching other guys be able to achieve or do what i was able to do and and i look at these young kids or these all americans that are here and i just think just make the right decisions and have a great future and you know, you'll be able to enjoy what I've been able to enjoy. So I guess the faith part of that comes into uh, God has given me great perspective and, you know, being able to appreciate every opportunity that I had and with the foresight to look forward and not look back and saying, I wish I still had that. You know, I hear I, it does, and I, I was just going to say, reflecting on what you just said, I hear a lot of really important spiritual disciplines in there as you talk. Um, I hear thankfulness. Um, I hear maturity, uh, perspective, 
um, humility. Um, and I think, you know, those are things that a lot of times in our life um, we envision. You talked about envisioning yourself as an NFL player. There are things in my life that I've envisioned. And sometimes we'll picture, you know, achievements or accomplishments a certain way, and God will have a different way of getting us there. Uh, I'm sure when you uh, were young, you know, you had a vision of how your life would unfold, and I'm sure that it didn't include some of the difficult circumstances that you've gone through, nor does mine. Right. But we pledge when we accept Christ as our Savior that we want to serve him. And we also submit to the fact that he has a wisdom beyond our own. The Bible says that uh, the wisdom of man is is foolishness to God. Not just that it's not useful, but it, it's, fool, it's foolishness <laughs> yeah. to him. And, and it is. And uh, he says his ways are higher than our ways. You know, a lot of the things that you and your kids went through, it, 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 people were like, man, that's just, they, they don't deserve that. Well, a lot of people go through things they don't deserve, and I certainly don't mean to minimize that. I mean, I, I, that's your perspective is yeah. you have to deal with adversity in your life, submit, and trust, and trust that God has a purpose or can accomplish a purpose. Maybe that's not right. even his purpose because sometimes bad things happen to very good people. Not everything bad that happens is God's purpose, but he can bring a purpose from something bad. So if you're going through um, a tough circumstance, an unfair circumstance, um, that does not mean God's forgotten you. It does not mean God is messing with you. It does not mean that he's uh, delighting in the difficulty you're going through. But the one thing that I can tell you is, from my experience, and I think Chris would agree with this, he will not desert you in it. If you reach out, if you seek him, he will um, bring you peace uh, as you stay connected to him and seek that peace through him. Well, that absolutely. And I just want to encourage people to, to and, and, you know, look back on your life and, and not focus on all the difficulties that we've all faced. But look back and look at all the cool things that happened to you, even if it's been really rough. Mm -hmm. But there's got to be some good that has happened to you and kind of enjoy that and, and look forward to the good things that are going to come. There's going to be bad things coming in your life still and in my life. Hopefully we have a lot of life left and there's going to be good and bad coming. Just, you know, focus on the, the cool blessings that that happen and. And it's really humbling when you do that because, you know, we, we live in a great country. We've, we're fed. We have a house. Mm -hmm. You know, we have our health. Uh, it's all good. And I don't, I don't want to sound like a, um, a record, but that, that stuff can't be taken for granted. And the other thing, here's another thing I want to talk about today. And I want to give, put this challenge out to our listeners. So I, I think I told you about this. But I want to challenge our listeners. I want to. I'm doing something this year for 2020, and I started January 1st. My goal is to get 6,000 miles of running, walking, stairmaster, and cycling in a year. I have to do 16.5 miles per day to be able to do that. 
It's January. What is it today? The 16th? Uh, I think two. it's a little later than that. I think it's uh, uh, 17th. Maybe, maybe. I'm always terrible okay. with the date. Okay. Well, I guess my goal, I'm, I'm just saying, so no, I don't want, don't set your goal at my stupid number because I'm insane and I have time to do this now. I got to catch a lot of miles now. But I want folks out there to say, if you haven't been physically active, and, and of course spiritually active and all that, but I want I want that, that balance that I've always talked to you about, mental, physical, spiritual. Set a goal. If it's for this year, I'm going to do 500 miles of walking. I don't care how small it is, but set a goal and, and, and write it down every day what you've accomplished that day, not only from a, a spiritual point of view, but also from a physical point of view. Mm -hmm. And, and it just, it'll make you healthier and, and you'll feel good and you'll feel like you're accomplishing something. And, and unless you're a nut job and you, you just buy uh, home, home exercise gear and equipment <laughs> like I do, you're not going to get 6,000 miles. Cause I, what was the number you gave me the other day when you left? You were like, was it 10? You said you're gonna get ten thousand. It like, was ten, and I and I I'm looked like, at it. And I said, no, you can't, can't do that, dude. I can't. I can't do ten without dying. So I don't <laughs> want to die. So, my, somebody talked some sense into me, and they actually showed me the breakdown. I said, okay, well, six is is pretty darn good. So that's the number I'm going for. And I just wanted to encourage everybody else: set a goal, what you think you can do, something that's going to challenge you, something that's going to hold you accountable. And, you know, as you're, you know, one thing I do is, is, uh, is, um, I'll do a, a prayer session when I'm doing this cardio, almost like a, a prayer meditation while I'm doing cardio. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you accomplish certain things. So I just want to encourage those that we, you and I believe in them and, and I don't care where you are, uh, as far as being in shape, set that goal. And just try to accomplish something every single day on a physical, uh, a physical journey, to to live healthy and to get out and get moving. I mean, because I just I know how happy that can make people once you accomplish something and you feel better. I know a guy, young kid, 21 years old, and I I don't know if he listens or not, but he, since football season, he has gone back to church. And he's lost a hundred pounds. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, or since the summer, and he's and he's he's found a church home, and he's gotten himself back into shape, and he's so happy now. He's got such a new outlook and a positive outlook, and so that's I just wanted to encourage people that they can do that too, and I'm again just to stay active and get moving. You can do this, and just. And email the show or email the podcast mm -hmm. and let us know if you're doing this challenge. Or We'd love to know it. To do it. Yep. Yeah. And if you're accomplishing things and what did you do today? And, you know, just walk around your house. If you walk for an hour around your house, you're going to get a mile and a half, two miles in. Just start walking. So I don't know. I just I wanted to throw that out there because I felt a need to and let them know that nobody's judging you. We just want to encourage you on all aspects.
especially physically and spiritually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great weekend up there, my friend. I'll see you Monday. We'll try to keep the uh, fog and the snow away. Congratulations on the honor, and we'll reflect Monday on the AFC and NFC championship games. Until then, that's a Friday edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. We tackle life email, Podcast at gmail.com.